Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and you're listening to the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast. What? In and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from. This is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that, like the number of the beast, is a podcast for you and me. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're up in the irons and running to the hills as we listen to some of the horror-inspired classics from Iron Maiden. But before we get into that, let me remind you where you're part of the Boom Howdy podcast network. Boom Howdy. And you can find all of our past episodes at boomhowdy.com, or the easiest way to listen in is to simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your maiden hole. And you can also follow us uh, online, uh, Nightmare Junk on Twitter, and Nightmare Junk at Facebook. So genius, we are going to be closing the month of June out here yes. in a pretty spectacular way. In 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 a heavy way. Very much a heavy way. This is again whenever we do this particular segment, I always joke that for uh for the most part it's us being lazy mm-hmm. more than anything. And I, I you know it, it is it in is, a way it's, it's an easy one, but it's still a fun one. And no matter what we want to recover about, it's gonna be fun. It is indeed. So that is it is in time it is time indeed for another segment of What's the Score, where we kick back and listen to some of our favorite horror scores and soundtracks. And of course our whole gimmick is is everything is in studio mm-hmm. we are listening everything straight from the record player and while we do this once at least usually once a month there are some podcasts out there that again do this on a weekly basis they are phenomenal um, obviously anything from the damn fine network you're going to be in good hands mm-hmm. the scored to death podcast is great as well as the uh, from and inspired by podcast any of those and there are there are so many more coming out as well uh, make sure you're checking them out they are a lot of fun to listen to but this particular segment, what's the score? We've kind of almost got like a sub segment yeah. in it now. I was gonna it say, was... like, if, if what's the scores are Reddit, then our subreddit is the education of Genius McGee. We refer you back to uh, we did an episode of What's the Score where we focused on the big four of Thrash, mm-hmm. uh, Metallica, Slayer, Megadeth, and Anthrax, and the songs that are very horror inspired from them. And the whole process has been pretty fascinating because you're not a metal fan. No. I mean, if it's 80s bubblegum or like 90s hardcore hip hop, I'm your man. And it's funny because, you know, most people associate horror with, with metal. metal. Yeah. And I mean, and they go hand in hand. I mean, I, I would imagine you would be hard pressed to find a metalhead who's not into horror. And so it's vice versa. Well, yeah, but it's always nice and refreshing then, because then on the flip side, not only am I educating you as a metal fan myself, but mm-hmm. you also give me some insight into a lot of the the genres of music that I'm not familiar with as well, mm-hmm. which we definitely do over on Nerds of Nostalgia. And that's all right with me. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, wait for our AM Gold. What's the score over there? Oh, it's gonna be glorious. <laughs> but if you go back to the Big Four episode we did, we kicked everything off with Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. Now, Iron Maiden is not part of the Big Four, but Iron Maiden is just so influential within thrash, within music. It kind of expands beyond music. Mm-hmm. Because even though you weren't necessarily familiar with their tunes... I definitely knew of Iron Maiden. I was, We were talking off mic about... I was like, dude, these covers are dope. And even though I don't listen to Maiden, I still know Eddie. I know who Eddie is. And just through all the different 
uh, Maiden branding and Maiden everything because he's fucking dope looking. Well, you talked about their branding, and I swear, I know Spaceballs came out after Iron Maiden was established. <laughs> merchandising, merchandising. They were smart because everything that ultimately they they earned, they reinvested in like their stage shows. Um, Derek Riggs, you talked about the cover were artwork. That is like to me the unofficial you know, member of Iron Maiden is Derek Riggs because we're looking at the Number of the Beast album here and that this album right here was my gateway to Iron Maiden. It's dope. I mean <laughs> you I mean just looking at it, I mean I've heard a couple of Maiden songs and I dig Maiden from what you hear sure, but Well and that's the I best mean, part of this whole process is you've actually like you've heard Iron Maiden out of the context of what's the score and you're like, hey, isn't that Maiden? That's and I'm like, the, yes it is. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm I'm learning. But like this is fucking dope. The number of the beast album cover. Holy shit. Like there's Satan and hell and like all there's a keep on trucking dude being burnt to flames. It's great. And keep in mind around the same time I saw this, I was growing up uh, heavily Catholic. So this in and of itself, this album cover was I, this was a literal gateway to hell for me. If you listen to this, this is where you would wind up. Oh, yes, and I would That's... just be under the thumb of Eddie and then Satan. Mm -hmm. But you look at just the just how detail-oriented the album is, and we always talk about just the collectability of physical media, mm -hmm. and even just the old-school artwork like this, it, you can't replicate that on a little tiny tiny thumbnail. Yeah, it just, at all. It, this is something that you can really appreciate. So we are going to kick everything off with the very... And I, we always ask people, and we talk about it ourselves, you know... Um, you know when was the first time you, the first track off here which is what i'm pretty sure was the very first iron maiden song i ever heard is this your crime alley this is totally the crime alley in fact instead of pearls for the most part it's going to be like satan's trident that goes right. up in the air uh once the once the matter happens here but again keep in mind that as a young greg looking at this album cover and again i'm in my i'm in my cousin's house mm -hmm. and her shouldn't have been number one uh, and I'm just, you know, going through her albums, and then I just see this thing, and it's like, I, it's, it enticed me. I said, Greg, Greg, listen, listen, don't I look cool? Play me, Greg. Play and me. I did, and we are going to kick off with, it's probably an out, the, the song that I've enjoyed for many a times here. It is, <laughs> it's again, the one for you than me, uh, but this is going to be the number of the beast now keep in mind again the way this opens it's it opens very much like thriller mm -hmm. i'm gonna leave that to you let me have you heard this particular uh, jam before there genius i don't think so okay so this one might be new i might be new and that's the other thing as well it's actually listening to songs for the first time with people is kind of exciting and so now it's like you know where were you when you first heard me and uh, in greg's basement indeed <laughs> <laughs> so again we are going to kick things off here with uh side two of iron maidens number of the beast with Number of the Beast. Woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil sends the beast with wrath because he knows the time is short. Let him who hath understanding reckon the number of the beast, for it is a human number. Its number is 666. <laughs> Just what I saw in my old dreams was a reflection. 
that still might be one of my all-time favorite lines, 666, the one for you and me. That was fucking rad, man. Like, I, I agree 120% on that one. Any fucking, any song that opens up with like creepy Bible verses said by a British dude and then sounds like a guided tour of hell <laughs> is like aces in my book. And I was probably all of, this came out in around 1982, so I was probably all around of like six or seven when I first heard this, and it did. It blew my little brain. Really? I didn't, you know, it sounded evil initially, especially like yeah. that. No, fucking, um, he's like, and he's talking from the book of Revelations, and I could totally almost see myself pulling a Terry, like reading, like, and the number should be revived 666. There's a reason there are a plethora of Iron Maiden posters on Terry's wall in the gate. (laughs) You know, again, I talk about such an influence from Iron Maiden. I totally fucking pictured myself reading that and like incantations. Well, the best part of this film and its true ties to horror is it is all about someone stumbling upon a satanic sacrifice. Yeah. And you can go straight to one of the all-time great 70s classics, uh, but Race with the Devil, which is yeah. it's exactly that particular scenario, mm-hmm. which is you get a bunch of people, uh, some suburbanites, if you will. Well, shit, that would even be good um, soundtrack music for that. Oh, it's... Them being chased by the... They're over there in their RVs being chased by the fucking Satanists. Well, the one thing, uh, just my true love of Iron Maiden comes from the founder, their bass player, Steve Harris. Um, I've always joked that the way he strums his bass guitar is much like Shiva dancing. You know, you know, by dancing, you know, she, she, Shiva controls the world. Same thing with Steve Harris, the way he strums. And it's my favorite thing in an Iron Maiden song is where most people listen to like the guitar solo, but I'm still listening to the just the badass <laughs> bass line underneath it. Yeah, ah, uh, it's one of my favorite things, and it's again what it was elevates. rad. It is, and that's a that's a perfect term term for Iron Maiden is rad. Yeah, I even like mouth like this is fucking rad, dude. And so yeah, no, this is great. Well, we'll continue our our look into horror and Iron Maiden going from the seventies even further back. And I would like to think that Iron Maiden, if if anything, they truly appreciate the old school monsters out there. Uh, so much that this particular track actually did kick off our big four of thrash, but I want to revisit because number one, to me, it's almost like a thesis statement for Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. Everything that you can expect in an Iron Maiden song, you're going to get with this particular, uh, with this particular track, including the fact that it is a whole, it's all built around horror. Uh, genius. Uh, are you a fa- fan of the theater? I am a fan of the theater. Do you do you uh, cavil, you know what would gallivant with the the upper crust? I do gallivant. Very haughty, very haughty. Well, I was very fortunate that back in the day I got to see a performance of the Phantom of the Opera uh-huh. with one Michael Crawford. I fucking love Phantom. Of the... Anyway, no, that's yeah, that's a whole nother. What's the score right. yeah, episode? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. The softer side of Nightmare Junkhead. <laughs> right. Well, we are going to indeed listen to the track entitled Phantom of the Opera. It's more of an instrumental, but it's got Bruce uh, kind of intertwined, intertwined here. Now, this originally came off their uh, self-titled LP, but the version we're going to listen to here is the live version from Live After Death, which many, many music enthusiasts out there consider this one of the all-time great live albums. So, Genius, you've heard this one before, but we're going to revisit it, so I'm anxious to see what it sounds like upon a revisit. Uh, But uh, yeah, tune it up here, gang. Phantom of the Opera from Live After Death. Thank you. 
One thing with Iron Maiden, if it sounds good, it's good enough to play two or three times. <laughs> that was dope, dude. It sounded to me like when I heard it, I felt like I should be fighting zombies you... on a raid esque like thing, or like I'm on a like a video game, like different levels and shit. What was great and why I sometimes wish we could do this like an like an actual visual component here is what you could didn't see was genius actually like pantomiming fighting at some several points throughout that yeah i pictured myself like fucking running upstairs chopping off zombies heads and shit and then pulling out gats and just like just running through the hallway and each time the music changed it was a different like floor and and that's what i love about this particular song with phantom of the opera i almost kind of consider it like a horror anthology yeah that if you don't like what they're playing just wait a few more minutes it's going to transition to something else yeah and that's the cool thing with iron maiden is you get they're very complex uh they've grown more progressive as they've gotten older mm-hmm. so their songs are even longer now so <laughs> it's so funny because the fact that they still tour and you like nico mcbrain their drummer celebrated his 65th birthday 
Damn. And they are still out there. And they're right now in the midst of this thing called the Legacy of the Beast Tour. Mm-hmm. Now, this is why I love Iron Maiden. I saw them the last time they went on tour, and they, they just put out a double album. Okay, now that is, <laughs> they're in their 60s, they put out a double album. Right. So when they tour on their new material, they play at least six songs from the new album. Damn. Exactly. And I like that because <laughs> I like their new stuff. But mm-hmm. you have to understand, they've been around for so long that a lot of people only really appreciate their old material. Oh. You know, when they play the new stuff, you know, like a lot of people, oh, I'm going to go to the bathroom. old stuff. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And they actually, they get really upset with that because they really they really put a lot of care into their new material. Right. And which is why I'm a fan of, like, from a Brave New World on, I loved every single thing they put out. So when they put out, they play the new stuff, I'm in heaven. But what they do then is after a new uh, a new album and a tour, they then put on, they go on a legacy tour where they will then recreate some of their old set lists. Ah, uh, like a greatest hits. Yes. Like a greatest hits tour. And of course, that's when everyone comes out to them. But yeah, I've seen the set list for this one that they're putting out right now. I, they, I don't know if they have any U.S. dates, but if they do, I really would like you to go and see them. Because number one, I've seen some of the life and, sound, and Bruce sounds better in his 60s than he did then. Wow. It is unreal. It's scary. I like his voice. It's super melodic when he goes into the falsetto. You know, I, like, it's like majestic. He was the air raid siren. That was his nickname back in the day. And that's what elevates, I think, Iron Maiden as well is, number one, they're great storytellers. Yeah. Their songs are complex. And uh, what do I see for our next song here? But uh, it is from the Seventh Son of a Seventh Song album. This album cover is fucking dope. It so, looks like modern art, like with a horror twist. I dig it. Well, this is actually a concept album that they did. It was all built around uh, an uh, Orson Scott Card uh, album uh, book. I can't remember which one, mm-hmm. but the entire album, um, all of the tracks are tell a story. Huh. And we're to kick everything off with a song called Moonchild. Now, let me ask you this, genius. Uh, do you consider the the power of foresight as something that could be potentially horrific? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at fucking uh, uh, Dead Zone. It's funny you should mention the Dead Zone because that's exactly what I was going to refer to here. Uh, but we are going to listen to the first track. Off of Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, it is called Moonchild. It basically tells the story of a child that is... Well, you just listen to the song. All right. Bruce will tell you all you need to know on that one. Seven deadly sins, seven ways to win, seven holy paths to hell and your truth begins. Seven downward slopes, seven bloodied hopes, seven
hear the mandrake scream. God, I've always wanted to know what a mandrake scream sounds like. It sounds horrible, but like, <laughs> no, like, because I can just picture. Okay, so at the very beginning, that song was fucking rad. Okay, and the reason why I'm always trying to like explain what it sounds like to me Your is just to write to kind of like okay. What are you getting out of it? How are you filtering this? Indeed, your first time hearing this. Right. Okay. So he opens up and he's like, and I will tell you a tale of evil and death. Right. And so like I was picturing like, you know, when shit starts like that, there's some old shit, uh, some ill shit about to happen in medieval times. If it opens acoustically, you got to be on your guard. Right. So like fucking I'm just picturing this wizard granting all the power of evil and he goes and some will live and some will die. Right. And I'm just like eating it up. I fucking love it. He's it's, <laughs> he's he's an evil wizard about to destroy the kingdom, and he's laying out his plans. It's run, mortals! I love it. I love it. it. It indeed tells the tale of the moon child, the one that was born into and can now foretell the future. It throughout the entirety of the album, you hear of his tale. Uh, it's a wonderful concept album. But uh, I actually, when I saw them live in Chicago, this was probably about. Five years ago, it was on one of the Legacy Tours. In mm -hmm. fact, they actually recreated the set and design and the tour for this particular album. Are there Okay, so I've seen stills of their stage shows and shit. They're incredible. It's insane. Well, it's, they, keep, they keep in mind that it's an audio-visual yeah. you know, medium. Yeah. Because one of the things I love about Maiden is the fact that they are high-level musicians. Mm -hmm. on, from top to bottom, uh, Bruce all the way to the Janet Gares, their you know, third guitarist that they put on just top notch so you're getting great musicians but then when you get that theatrical component as well yes i mean when you go to a concert you want to see a show you know entertain us you know so either acoustic or something but i always appreciated big spectacles oh and they put spectacles. on a spectacles yeah <laughs> can't twist that one <laughs> but they actually opened their set with this particular track and i can't remember where but instead of that, like, uh, when I went that... At the beginning, instead of a synthesizer, they used to do it live. Uh, one of the guitarists would come out and play it on the guitar. And, oh, my God, it just made it that much better. Oh, I bet. But I was salivating at that point when Bruce comes out running around. Moonchild, the Mandrakes. Oh, manna from heaven. That manna sounds, from heaven. That sounds awesome. I'm just picturing the Mandrakes, those evil, like, little plants. Screaming? Do. Yeah. You know, it sounds, it sounds like... I bet it sounds like a... Fox scream or a peacock scream, and if you ever heard those, those are horrifying. I've heard hungry pig scream before, and Oof. that still haunts my dreams Oof. to this day. Oof. That's why I don't return back to the State Farm because that place is where <laughs> nightmares come from. <laughs> the, the food is fried and good, but beyond that, that's funny. That's about as more as I get enticed to. But oh, speaking of enticing, our next track is inspired from. One of my all-time favorite British horror films. Ew. Speaking of the upper cross, they're genius. Um, what's interesting is with Iron Maiden, in the 90s, they actually, they didn't split up. They still were around, but Bruce Dickinson left the band. Uh, one of their guitar players, Adrian Smith, left the band. And they put out two albums with a different lead singer named Blaze Bailey. And they're good albums. Uh -huh. But just people love Bruce. You know, he inspires a legion. He actually went out on his own and did some solo stuff. Mm -hmm. It's got a great song called Tattooed Millionaire. Uh, it, I definitely recommend checking it out. But they came back. Bruce came back. Adrian came back. And this was kind of their reunion album called Brave New World. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's one of it's an all-timer for me. It's one of my all-time favorites. And I, again, I, listen, I love the new stuff. But this is such. It was such a return to form because Bruce was back. Yeah. 
And yeah, we can get the band back together. It, it was, they were on a mission from God, I do believe. Uh, they had shades on. It was great. Uh, but we're going to kick everything off with the first track of this album, and it's a little t- uh, tune called The Wicker Man. And which, yes. Not the breeze! But the better one. The, well, the, and listen, well, the original. Listen, I appreciate Neil LeBute as much as the next person. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, yeah, I, you've got to go with, you know, you want to talk about good... British, British horror, horror, yeah, just that old school hammer feel mm-hmm. with Christopher Lee. It's but it's ultimately it's a good scary flick, mm-hmm. and Iron Maiden is inspired by all the again going back all the way from Phantom of the Opera to here, good old seventies horror represented. Uh, but this is the opening track. Uh, again, I'm curious to see what you think about this one because I will say this: when I first heard this one, I lost my mind. Okay, because it was just so good to hear. It just sounded like Iron Maiden. So I'm anxious to see what you hear on this one, genius. But uh, right on. it's time to keep your appointment with the wicker man.
dude, that's a banger, <laughs> dude. That's a hell of a banger, dude. Because like I first heard it, dude, I was I was like, I'm ready to fuck shit up. I I was like, I'm ready to party, and I wanted to go party like old school. I even like told you off mic, dude. I want to do old like punk moves. I want to do the lawnmower. There was and, I saw picking up change. In yeah, there. dude, it was that that's a party song, dude. That's like when you when when you are ready to fuck shit up. Well, I was kind of mentioning off mic, so to speak, that Maiden is just like, their influences everywhere, but especially worldwide. Like I, they're probably underappreciated here in the U.S. But uh-huh. one of my bucket list items is to see Maiden play outside of the U.S. Yeah, especially somewhere in South America. They are like hopelessly devoted to Iron Maiden. Really, it is a religion. With, is it, is it's it like incredible. Mexico and the Smiths? Oh Lord, have mercy! It blows them away. Wow, like, it's incredible. It's just the allegiance they inspire. But it all comes from like music, you know, tunes like this. In fact, this particular track is actually on the Legacy of the Beast tour that's touring right now. That's a which banger. is more incentive for me to see them on this one because that's one of my favorite ones from the new track. But yeah, it's truly a banger. And I like that chorus. Yo! Time will come. That was good. That's good stuff. It's a return to form with Bruce again. Uh, and it was just great to hear him with the band yeah. uh, kicking off just such. It was just a fast track. Uh, it was it was wonderful. It was great. Now, our next track uh, comes from the Power Slave album. That's dope cover. Now, this is another one that is just beyond epic. Um, in fact, many people will argue this is probably their finest album, actually. Yeah. Uh, and again, mine changes the day you ask me. When... In, in in chronological, when did this come this out? This was 84. Okay. Uh, so this one was after Peace of Mind, which came after Number of the Beast. Actually, this album is what they were touring on for Live After Death. So would this be considered like middle school Maiden? This would be still considered, I would say, old school. This is actually probably peak Iron Maiden. Uh-huh. I actually think this is when they ascended into metal godhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, a combination of n- a number of things. But this particular album, obviously, is Egyptian-themed. Yeah. Um, and the song we're going to listen to, actually, is is the Egyptian theme song. It is called Power Slave. Uh, it's one of my favorites. Again, it actually features a lot of things that you'll get with good old class and maiden, uh, multiple parts, changing the tempos, and again, a wonderful story because this one is all about uh, Egyptian mummies. Now, quick question. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at the, the, the album and it's Power Slave, and then the next one is Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. <laughs> now, is that the one where it's full on the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner? Like that is the 15 minute song that yeah. they played every night live. Yeah, it's incredible. And that's the one that is from Coolridge yeah. that when I took a British literature class, I could not read the poem without just Bruce and all the gang galloping along with me. It enhanced the reading, I think. But ultimately, <laughs> I think it took me away because if I was writing an essay in the middle of class, I'd be like, Greg, shut up, please. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm trying to. My grades will come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this one truly uh, has, uh, again, just kind of gives you all the good stuff with Iron Maiden. Uh, also, the, one of the great things with this particular song is on this particular tour is when the giant Eddie would come out. Yeah. And I've talked about the stage component before, but that whole thing when they have a mobile person in a giant Eddie costume, and in this case, he came out as a mummy. See, that's what I would have hoped for uh, at John Carpenter. Just with the, like yes. with the, with the Carpenterettes, right? Just like a big Michael Myers, like, grrr, you know? Oh, <laughs> that'd be awesome. I would have paid top dollar for that. And the fact <laughs> we still don't have the Buckflower hologram. <laughs> 
<laughs> John Carpenter, if you're listening, add that to the stage show. It's going to just enhance everything mm-hmm. so much more so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, he comes out at multiple songs, but for the uh, Live After Death tour, this is when he came out. I'll point it out as we listen along. This one, again, it's not so much a banger, but oh, it's got some parts on it. So um, tell me, genius, why I have to be your power slave.
I like that. That was there was this really cool part in there. Well, first of all, it reminded me of like what well, you said with mummies, and I could hear the Egyptian influence in them, but more like a little bit of Frankenstein, like just mm. like coming out from the grave. But I liked the part where all of a sudden there's I just got lost in this groove. There's like this like not like it's not mellow by any means, but there's just like this boom, hip, boom, boom, there's just like, his nodding. There's like where it goes a little bit softer, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, dun, 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 like the shenanigans happen. Like all of a sudden, ill shit goes down. Well, it's funny when you say shenanigans happens. Again, I mentioned that this is the song where Eddie comes out. Yeah, and it's when the shenanigans happens. That's when Eddie comes out. It actually. makes sense because you're like lulled into this false security, kind of like a good horror movie with a good well earned jump scare, where you're lulled into this like uh, f- like like, like something like Tales good. from the Dark Side that would feature right. Egyptian mummies. Everything or not even like in just horror, everything's good. You're just moving with the groove, and then you know it's like whoa, you got me. So that song got me. Well, you know it's funny <laughs> uh, when Bruce sings this particular song on this particular tour, mm-hmm. he would don this really crazy feathered mask. Is that which, the- if you yeah, that's the one. So I have a figurine done here by local artist Taylor Triano. Uh, she does these amazing. And I guess figurines are the best way to describe them, but they have these very detailed uh, hand-quilted faces with the hair, and then she molds these bodies. She did one for Bruce Dickinson for me, but with the feathered mask. It's incredible. I think it's on Instagram somewhere. It's cool. It's amazing. Yeah, no, it's it's phenomenal. It's, again, how much I actually love Iron Maiden. But Iron Maiden, if there's anything like clockwork, you know when you hear this next song, it means two things. Mm -hmm. Number one, they finished with their main set which mm-hmm. means the encore is going to come because it's Iron Maiden. Right. But number two, I talk about Eddie coming out on the stage. Well, there's always a point on in an Iron Maiden concert when Eddie comes from behind the drum kit uh, and he you know, attacks the audience one way or the other. But And it's usually themed around the particular uh, concept of the album. So when they did Live After Death, uh-huh. well, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to show you here in just a second. Okay. Uh, but this is the song, obviously, you know, think of Bill and Ted. Medieval torture devices, you know, the Iron Maiden. Excellent. (laughs) But we're going to hear is a live version of Iron Maiden. And I'm also going to show you what happens when you hear Iron Maiden at an Iron Maiden show, Genius. You should enjoy this. Okay.
giant ass mummy coming out of nowhere i'd say cool go for it so the amazing part is i'm showing genius here the inner cover of the live after death album which shows what happens at the uh, end of an iron maiden show for that one when you get the giant mummified eddie coming out and just lumbering over the entire band the thing is huge fire sparks coming out of the eyes that is as pu- that's pure spectacle yeah like you cannot tell me that's not what you no, that's what you that's... pay down good money for right exactly where else can you see fucking mummy saurus well and the best part is like i said that's ultimately that signals you know what's happening when they get to that last bit of that you know something and everyone's anticipating like oh shit here, here he comes here he comes right and it's just such a joyous shared experience because there's a really great documentary out there called uh, Flight 666, uh-huh. where they actually brought a guy along and documented this crazy world tour they did where Bruce Dickinson flew them in a 747 called Air, Air, Ed Force One, because of course he can fly, because he's that guy that can right. do everything. Right. Um, but they show like the people singing along and people losing their mind when Eddie comes out. And yeah. when you see these like these multi-generational families all singing along to Iron Maiden... I won't lie. Big surprise here. I weep when I, I get teary eyed when I see that because right. I know that I know that feeling. When I every time I see them, I will I get weepy eyed because I just I love Maiden so much. Yeah. And for me, it's nice to actually kind of share that with you. And you know, obviously, anyone that listens to the podcast, if you are a fan of Maiden, great. If you're not, hopefully, this is kind of you know some stuff to turn you on to it. Right. And this is dope, dude. So every tour they have a different Eddie theme. And indeed, s- indeed. So another big giant one, or different shenanigans, or always shenanigans, because uh-huh. he comes around and kind of messes with everyone on stage. Right. Uh, they interact with him. I think now, um, I'm trying to. When I saw him in Chicago, he came out uh, for the Trooper song. So he came out with like um, old Civil War Eddie, uh-huh. which was great, and he had a big old sword, and so he's messing around with the band. Um, and then when they did the um, Seven Son of the Seven Son tour, when he comes out, he comes out on the album cover, and he's got this little like heart shaped thing in his palm that's yeah. moving around, puppeteered, and he's got a little flame on the top of his. It's it was epic because that, that album cover is dope. Imagine that rising behind the drum kit. And oh, that's holy what you got. shit! That'd be sweet. It was pretty incredible. It was pretty incredible. But um, ultimately, Iron Maiden. When you hear that, you know it signals the end of the regular set. But then they always come out for an encore. Mm-hmm. So I do have one more song for us, encore esque. You know, to stay in the style and inspiration of Maiden. And what we're going to listen to here, and again, staying with the horror theme, uh, we're going to go with a track from this. Actually, the No Prayer for the Dying album is one that is on no one's top 10 maiden list, unfortunately. Um, it came out in 1991, right after Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. Uh-huh. And they kind of went back to basics. Um, I mentioned this because this is the first time I actually got to see them on the No Prayer for the Road Tour. And I was just so excited. Um, I knew every song on this album because this was one of the first ones that I was where I was really into Iron Maiden. Uh-huh. And they released a new album, and I was aware of them. So yeah. I could spend all my time listening to every track. Um, when I went and saw them live, it was my very first concert ever. My cousin Gina nice. took me. Nice. Anthrax opened for him, which was memorable as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the very next day, I could barely lift my head up because I headbanged so hard. 
I could barely talk because I just sang all the songs. Right. Um, Concert fatigue. Yeah. Now, now as a veteran now, funny enough, the last time I saw Iron Maiden, I was in a great seat. And yes, I was sitting the entire time because it was on an incline. But um, it's I easier pa- to bob your head. I paced myself. And rather than <laughs> headbang now, I'm more into the air, air bass and air drum, if you will. Uh, but I had probably an even better time this time than I did my first time because, you know, you go all out that first time. Oh, yeah. Also added to the fact there was kind of a metal chick that was standing next to me. That always helps. Well, and keep in mind, I was probably in ninth grade, so I was a freshman, skinny, mulleted, wearing an Iron Maiden tour t-shirt. And I was thinking if I sang along with every song and she knew I knew every song, that it would impress her somehow, right? Brownie points, main right, points. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, Reality so came a calling. Uh, but the al- the track we're going to listen to here does have some horror pedigree. Um, in fact, we actually had a chance. We screened um, Creepers mm-hmm. not too long ago in the backyard, which features an Iron Maiden trip. Yeah. Uh, the Flash of the Blade. Mm-hmm. Which was very interesting. I It was always cool to see because you knew ill shit was going to happen, but it never did. It was like in the most random of places. Like... She's going to go buy some milk or something. You know, it's like, okay. But it kind of just added to the weirdness. But ultimately, a title of Flash to the Blade, at least we do have a monkey branding a blade. So that is always good, and it definitely pays off. But the track we're going to listen to comes from uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5. The Dream uh, Child, uh-huh. which, again, I, I don't know is on if it's on many fan favorites, top three nightmare films. I, I know it has its appreciators out there. One thing I do love about Maiden is they're very cheesy. And they actually close every, every concert. You know everything is finished when they start playing Look on the Bright Side of Life from Life of from Brian. Life of Brian? That's funny. It's wonderful. It's fitting. It kind of tells you everything you need to know about Iron Maiden because they are very cheesy. They have songs about Dune. They, I mean, they go beyond the horror genre, definitely. Uh-huh. They are hardcore nerds. And I think that's something maybe why, as a fledgling metalhead, I kind of a, was attracted to them. Mm-hmm. Be, because of that horror pedigree, because of the genre pedigree that, they, that exists within Maiden. Everything that you like, they like. And so, yeah, it works. And they have these wonderfully epic songs. Yeah. But every now and again, they have some songs that are beyond cheesy. And you know what? They sound exactly like an Iron Maiden song. But then you're like, ooh, that's some harsh harsh cheese there. So we're going to end everything here with a little song called Bring Your Daughter, dot, 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 to the slaughter. Uh, Found on Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5, The Dream Master. Um, Curious to see what you think of this one, Genius, because, again, this came from an album. that I I heard this song live when they played it, and I sang right along with it because it was my first time. Now, granted, if it shows up in a set list again, am I going to sing? Hells yeah, I'm going to sing because it's Iron Freaking Maiden. There you go. You know, the worst Iron Maiden is probably the best metal anywhere else.
guess it's probably been a while since I've really listened to some of the lyrics, and obviously looking and reading your face, we were hearing some of the same things, weren't we there, Genius? Is this, was this like originally written for like the lyrics for Motley Crue? I don't know. It does. There are some, dare I say, not getting down with those backdoor shenanigans. Right. I couldn't quite tell. And there was like a lot of like, I don't know. I could see where this would be considered lesser maiden. And here's the thing. I know there's someone out there that this is their favorite Iron Maiden song. I am not harsh in your buzz at all. Coming from a non-partial, impartial, or I guess like, you know. Ob- the objective. Right, right, right. The ones that we've heard earlier on this broadcast were significantly, to me, superior. That, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. So I'm glad at least, you know, the viewpoint is shared. Um, now, obviously, there are many other songs out there in the Iron Maiden catalog that deals with horror. Um, obviously, here on the show, we are limited to what we have here spinning in, in the studio. Mm-hmm. So if there are other ones out there that we missed, hit us up on Twitter at Nightmare Junk, on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. The continuing education of genius. And media. again, it goes both ways. So I'll be, you know, obviously going into gangster rap soon as well. <laughs> Maybe into a little horror core. Or into a Chevy van. And that's all right with me. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Genius McGee.